time keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Good morning. It is Thursday, March the 31st. 2022. Lots to get to today. Disney admits to indoctrinating your children. We're going to cover that story. It's it's kind of broken loose. I mean, this whole Disney in Florida don't say gay bill thing has really uh, heated up quite a bit. And now there's leaked footage of Disney executives touting very proudly how they use their content to push their agenda. And we'll be sharing some of that with you coming up at 15 past the hour, talking about that and why it matters. Of course, uh, in the guest segment today, we're going to have a great conversation with Jordan Pacheco, our friend from the Augustan Institute. We're going to be talking about making movies from a Catholic perspective. The goods, the bads, what's lacking there? It's going to be a fun conversation. Movies is one of my, uh, I don't know, I love movies. I've always loved movies and how movies are made. And and Jordan Pacheco is a filmmaker, so we're going to have a great conversation with him. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Jesuit Prep up in Dallas has finally settled their sex abuse lawsuit going back to the 70s and 80s for sex abuse up there. Praise be to God, that got settled. And a teacher in Austin says 20 of her 32 students, fourth grade students, have come out as uh, LGBTQIA plus something or other. 20 out of 32 fourth graders. What's going on there? We'll, again, jump into that at 15 past the hour. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Anything redeeming in the news? Anything redeeming? <laughs> well, it seems like we're having a pretty bad news cycle these past two weeks. I apologize for that. How hard Don't is it shoot to the find, messenger. How hard is it to find the good news? I'm just curious. <laughs> it's extremely hard. Isn't it that is, sad? It's, it's hard enough to... You know, go through uh, all the articles of Will Smith getting or slapping. <laughs> I know uh, the Chris continued Rock. conversation. Yeah, I don't know why we're still talking about it. Yeah, and then to find good news is, is difficult. But I have a really nice one for you today. Oh, you and do? It's gonna it's gonna pull at your heartstrings. Oh, praise be. Oh, tears? Yeah. We're gonna get like puppy dog tears? Maybe. <laughs> nice. That's got. That's next hour. Yeah. Ready? If you identify as a puppy, <laughs> you have to identify as a puppy <laughs> yeah, first. Of course. Uh-huh. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning, D. Adrian. Speaking of identifying as a puppy? Hey, listen, it wasn't my words, pal. Hey, puppy. Okay. Okay. Uh, odd, but okay. Noted. Sorry. I've been watching too much Disney. Well, yeah. you know, praise be to God, it's uh, good to be here, especially because we're coming up on Saturday, which is going to be a first Saturday. Amen. So. If uh, you've never gone to First Saturday before, you've never gone out and prayed the rosary in front of the Blessed Sacrament, you never meditated upon mm-hmm. the mysteries mm-hmm. for half an hour, mm-hmm. and uh, this yeah. is the Saturday to do it. Wow. So go ahead. I'm inviting you. I'll be going, and I invite you to join me. So I'll be there to do that. Oh, by the way, uh, total scoop, breaking news. You Ooh. heard it here first. Wow. We, have, we have officially booked they for tomorrow. Oh, they—they they are going to be on the program tomorrow morning. So you know the what they say. They say you know what they say. Oh, no, I don't. Well, tomorrow we'll have to ask them. we're going to grill they for the first time in history. They are going to have to give an account for what they say. Hmm. All of that plus they what tomorrow. About what they did. What? They, yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> 
All of that's coming up tomorrow. Put on your tinfoil hats. On the show tomorrow. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, can I thank Cliff Marler and Jesus Robles, friend of the show? I can't roll my, my R's like you do. Robles. How, how's it go? Robles. I got to work on that. Cliff Marler and Jesus Robles, thank you for your generous gift of offering your your day for us today, your prayers, your fasting, your penance for our 2022 Lenten campaign. We're so very grateful to you. God bless both of you, Cliff and Jesus, uh, for uh, praying for us today. Speaking of which, we're going to jump in by praying our golden arrow prayer, and then we're going to get into all of the crazy stories today. But our wonderful guest, Jordan Pacheco, is going to come up at 35 past this hour. Stick around for that. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, incomprehensible, unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and under the earth by all the creatures of God and by the sacred heart of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now you're breaking news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Today is Thursday, March 31st, and these are your headlines. Washington Examiner reports Biden to use wartime powers to produce minerals needed for green energy. Biden is responding to outside pressure, most notably from Democratic lawmakers and green energy interest groups, and will invoke the Defense Production Act to produce more minerals, enabling the development and construction of more supposed green technologies. And Axios reports Biden announces additional $500 million in direct aid to Ukraine. During a call with Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky, President Biden informed him that the U.S. intends to give Ukraine an additional $500 million in direct budgetary aid, according to a White House readout of the call. And Just the News reports Arizona governor signs law restricting abortion after 15 weeks. Arizona Governor Doug Ducey signed a bill prohibiting physicians from performing abortions past 15 weeks gestation on Wednesday. The bill says that a physician who performs an abortion after 15 weeks will be subject to a Class 6 felony. If convicted, they will have their professional license suspended or revoked. But unlike other bills, there will not be a penalty for women who have abortions. And Breitbart News reports China lockdown victims running out of food while regime worries about computer chips. A local Communist Party official in Shanghai has ordered some semiconductor factory workers to live inside microchip foundries since mid-March. The party issued the extraordinary edict in an effort to allow semiconductor fabrication plants to continue at normal operations while also complying with the city's strict lockdown orders. The same day the news broke, another article detailed how Communist Party officials in the northeastern city of Changchun let their citizens go hungry during the city's latest lockdown. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The same of the day you're going to get a twofer is St. Stephen of Marsaba. He was born in 725. Stephen of Marsaba was the nephew of St. John Damascene, who introduced the young boy to monastic life beginning at the age of 10. When he reached 24, Stephen served the community in a variety of ways, including as a guest master. After some time, he asked permission to live a hermit's life. The answer from the abbot was yes, but also no. Stephen could follow his preferred lifestyle during the week, but on the weekends, he was to offer his skills as a counselor. Stephen placed a note on the door of his cell, Forgive me, fathers, in the name of the Lord, but please do not disturb me except on Saturdays and Sundays. Despite his calling to prayer and quiet, Stephen displayed uncanny skills with people and was a valued spiritual guide. 
His biographer and disciple wrote about Stephen, whatever help spiritual or material he was asked to give, he gave. He received and honored all with the same kindness. He possessed nothing and lacked nothing. In total poverty, he possessed all things. Saint Stephen of Marsaba, pray for us. And the second saint of the, saint of the day, well, I woke real quickly though. Saint Stephen, I think he might be the patron saint of leave me alone. Uh, but anyway, the second saint of the day is Saint Guy of Pomposa, which mostly I picked the saint because I just wanted to say Saint Guy. He was born in 1046 in Italy and gave everything to the poor. He spent three years as a hermit on the island of Po River, and he became the abbot of St. Severus. He became a much sought-after spiritual advisor, and his feast day is today, March 31st. St. Guy of Pomposa, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 5, verses 31 through 47. Jesus said to the Jews, If I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is not true. But there is another who testifies on my behalf, and I know that the testimony he gives on my behalf is true. You sent emissaries to John, and he testified to the truth. I do not accept human testimony, but I say this so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and for a while you were content to rejoice in his light. But I have testimony greater than John's. The works that my Father gave me to accomplish, these works that I perform, testify on my behalf that the Father has sent me. Moreover, the Father who sent me has testified on my behalf, but you have never heard his voice nor seen his form, and you do not have his word remaining in you because you do not believe in the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think you have eternal life through them. Even they testify on my behalf, but you do not want to come to me to have life. I do not accept human praise. Moreover, I know that you do not have the love of God in you. I came in the name of my Father, but you do not accept me. Yet, if another comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe when you accept praise from one another and do not seek the praise that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who will accuse you is Moses." in whom you have placed your hope. For if you had believed Moses, you would have believed me, because he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Alcuin from the ninth century said, John was a candle lighted by Christ the light burning with faith and love, shining in word and deed. He was sent before to confound the enemies of Christ. According to the psalm, I have ordained a lantern for mine anointed. As for his enemies, I shall clothe them with shame. Close quote. 
Al Kewen quoting from Psalm 131. Haydock's commentary was great today. It said, It is proper to remark that the testimonies here adduced all rise gradually one above another and make a body of evidence that must leave the incredulous Jews without excuse. For they pay no regard to Jesus Christ himself, nor to John the Baptist, nor to the evidence of miracles, nor to the voice of God, nor to the scriptures, nor even to Moses himself. And close quote. But he goes on to make this great case. I mean, there's four points he just mentioned here. Let me, let me expand on that a little bit here. The case against these, these Jews listening to our Lord say these very words to them, trying to shake their hearts to what purpose? To bring about their own salvation, to get them to wake up before it is too late, to listen with their ears and to see with their eyes before it is too late. Hadok makes these these four points against them. Point number one, I could allow you that if I only gave testimony of myself, you might seem to have some reason to accept against my testimony. But now, besides my own words, you have also the testimony of John the Baptist, who diverse times witnessed that I am the Messiah and the Son of God, come to take away the sins of the world. Close quote. So that's point number one. You got John the Baptist. Point number two, you have the testimony of my eternal father, particularly at my baptism. <laughs> You might remember, too, in John's Gospel, John chapter 12, the voice of the Father speaks yet again, affirming the Son. But the people, because they're living in sin, can't hear the voice of God. You might remember this very important point, or go back to Exodus in uh, chapter 28, when the people of God were approaching Sinai. Because of their sin, they couldn't touch the mountain, which was pure and holy, lest they should die and be smote. When you live in sin you're not going to be able to hear the voice of God. Live in a state of grace, and you may hear the voice of God much clearer. I think that's the lesson. Point number three, you have yet a greater testimony by the works and miracles wrought before your eyes, and at the same time foretold by the prophets. Even the prophets, even Moses said, one greater than I from among you shall come. And what's one, what does one greater than Moses do? Well, he doesn't just strike a rock or speak to a rock. He is the rock, which water and blood flow and giving us bread uh, for our souls. And this journey, this pilgrimage, this uh, bread of life come down from heaven and the water that washes us, right? Walks on top of water, not just through it. That's what one greater than Moses does. Point number four, the prophets and the scriptures, which you search or which I remit you to, the search them diligently. These also bear witness concerning me. Yes, all the prophecies in the Old Testament point forward to Jesus Christ, who is, as Christ implicates, Messiah, the Savior of us, the Savior of you. Let's meditate on that today. We'll be right back. What's concerning us is coming up next. Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back. Share us with a friend. Protestants often think that the difference in the Greek words for Peter's name, Petros, and the rock, Petra, in Matthew 16, 18, is evidence against Peter being the first pope. But does this objection deal the death blow that Protestants think it does? Nope, and here's why. First, even in the Greek of the New Testament called Koine Greek, scholars recognize that there's no difference in meaning. In the IVP Bible background commentary, Craig Keener affirms that these two terms were cognate terms that were used interchangeably by this period. 
this view is supported by the fact that John tells us in John 142 that the Aramaic equivalent of Petros is Cephas, which means rock. So why the difference? Gender. Petros is masculine and Petra is feminine. It makes perfect sense that a feminine noun would not be used for a masculine name. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. There will come a day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Tribe Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up, 35 past the hour. Jordan Pacheco from the Augustine Institute is going to be our guest. We're going to be talking about movies, making movies from a Catholic perspective. You know, we're going to talk about those movies that are a little bit too uh, on the nose a little bit. And we're going to get his opinion on those. But I also am very curious what he thinks is lacking in the movie business from a Catholic perspective. As a filmmaker, I wonder what he'll say. That is coming up at 35 past the hour. Stick around for that if you can. But there are, as I say... Several stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. I saw this article out of LifeSite News this morning. Uh, the headline said, Teacher says 20 of 32 fourth grade students have come out to her as LGBTQIA+. Golly gee whiz, why are these kids coming out to her? Not their parents? That's just... I don't, that's step number one, red flag. I'm, why do 20 out of 32 kids in a classroom of fourth graders come out to their teacher? Golly gee whiz, does one have to be a rocket scientist? Does one have to be a, a uh, double PhD scholar to understand there might be some manipulation going on in the classroom? I think so. But in fact, in Austin, this particular teacher is very proud of the fact that uh, she has 60% of her fourth graders are of this variety. That is very, very strange. And I think it speaks to what we're seeing coming out, out of Florida right now with this bill that got passed in Florida and Disney under a lot of pressure from its own employees and people on the outside to fight their good fight for them, you know, quote unquote, with Governor Ron DeSantis uh, about against this bill. Well, uh, it's getting hotter in this topic here. Here's an article out of The American Greatness. The headline goes, Anti-CRT activist Chris Rufo declares war on Disney. We are directly targeting their public relations. Close quote, he says. The article says, Christopher Rufo, the conservative activist who shined a spotlight on critical race theory in schools, resulting in multiple states banning the toxic curricula, has set his sights on the Walt Disney Company after Disney publicly opposed the parental rights in education bill, which Florida Governor Ron DeSantis recently signed into law. The sensible anti-grooming law prohibits Florida educators from teaching or discussing sexual orientation and gender identity issues to school children in kindergarten through the third grade. Kindergarten through the third grade. Because, you know, kindergartens, they have to, you know, address the LGBTQ issue. 
at kindergarten. Really? Article goes on to say, in response to the legislation, Disney said in a statement, quote, our goal as a company is for this law to be repealed by the legislature or struck down in the courts. And we remain committed to supporting the national and state organizations working to achieve that. We are dedicated to standing up for the rights and safety of LGBTQ plus members of the Disney family, as well as the LGBTQ plus community in Florida and across the country. Close quote. Article goes on to say, uh, quote, we are waging a moral war against Disney. Rufio tweeted on Wednesday, quote, we are directly targeting their public reputation. We are turning half of their customers against them. And this you can if you're hanging out on our live video feed, you're actually able to see this article and you're able to see Christopher Rufio's tweets. But I want to play a couple of clips for you, which you'll be able to listen to the audio of. Uh, these are clips of a Zoom meeting amongst Disney executives discussing this issue. And I think this is very telling. Christopher Rufio from the Manhattan Institute got a hold somehow, I don't know how, someone leaked this footage of this uh, closed meeting amongst Disney employees and executives. And he got a hold of it, and he has posted these clips on his Twitter feed, which you can find at Real Chris Rufio. Uh, over on Twitter. But let me play this first clip. This first clip is of LaToya Revenue, and she is an executive producer, and her job is to produce children's programming on the Disney Network. Okay, I want you to keep that in mind. Her job is to create children's programming that your kids could be watching, Disney Plus or however else. Let's listen to Miss LaToya Revenue. I grew up watching, you know, all of the classics. They have been a huge, like, informative part of my life. But at the same time, like, I worked at small studios most of my career, and I'd heard, you know, you hear whispers. Like, I'd heard things like, oh, you know, they won't let you show this at a Disney show. And I'm like, okay. So I was a little, like, sus when I started. And, but then my experience was bafflingly the opposite of what I had heard on my little pocket of like, you know, proud family, Disney TVA. Um, the showrunners were super welcoming Meredith Roberts and like the, the, our leadership over there has been so welcoming to like my, like not at all secret gay agenda. And so like, I, I feel like I felt like it was, I mean, like maybe it was that way in the past, but I guess like something must've happened in the last, like, like they're turning it around, they're going hard. And then all that like momentum that I felt like that sense of, I don't have to be afraid to like, let's have these two characters kiss. Let's in the background, this are, like I was just wherever I could just basically adding queerness to like, the, if you see anything queer in the show, I'm proud of them. But like, I, I just was like, no one would stop me and no one was trying to stop me. You see that? Like, I love just My not so secret agenda gay agenda and all the queerness you find in there that was hers and this is in your children's programming because your children have to deal with these very mature topics at kindergarten through fourth grade like that's a thing why are we ruining the lives the the innocent children childhood of of these kids it just boggles the mind why we would cram such things into their mind and be surprised at the fact that 20 out of 32 kids might claim that they're uh, they're coming out to their teacher. I mean, it's it's utterly mind numbing. And how much money, as we 
Uh, I, I guarantee that if we could, if it was possible for us to take a poll, figure this out, how much money Catholics invest in Disney products, I bet it would be millions and millions and millions of dollars. We give lots of money to an organization that is now outrightly telling our kids how to think about human sexuality in a very perverse way. Here's another clip. Disney corporate president Carrie Burke says, as a mother of transgender children and one pansexual child, she is now a leader and wants 50% of all leading roles to be led by people in this category. Let's listen to Carrie Burke. I'm, I'm here as a mother of, of two queer children, actually. Mm -hmm. um, uh, one transgender child. Um, um, and one pansexual child, um, and and also as a leader. Um, and that was the thing that really got me because I have heard so much from so many of my colleagues over the course of the last couple of weeks um, in open forums and through emails and phone conversations. And um, I feel a responsibility to speak, um, not just for myself, but for them. Um, to all of us, we, we, had a, we had an open forum last week at 20th where um, again, the home of, of really incredible groundbreaking LGBTQIA stories over the years where um, one of our execs stood up and said, you know, we only have a handful of queer leads in our content. And I went, what? I, that can't be true. And I, and I, and I realized, oh, it, it actually is true. We have many, many, many LGBTQIA characters in our stories. And 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 yet we don't have enough leads. And she's going to change that by the end of this year with 50 percent of them going to this category. Gee, I wonder how old her her uh, trans child and her pansexual child are. <laughs> I'm just very curious. How young are they and how are they dealing with this very confusing topic that is contrary to natural law? for every human being. Very, very confusing. Well, here's another, I, I won't bore you to death with all this, but I, I think it illustrates this point. Here is another, kind of backing up what Carrie just said, uh, another group meeting here. This is I've had Alan the March. of working with the Moon Girl team for the last two years, and they've been really open to exploring queer stories. And part of, I'm on the production side, uh, part of uh, the work that I feel like I can put in is, um, making sure that we take place in modern day New York. So making sure that that's like an accurate reflection of New York. So I put together like a tracker of our background characters to make sure that we have like a, the full breadth of expression. And uh, we got into a very similar conversation, Carrie, of like, oh, all of our like gender non-conforming characters are in the background. And so it's not just a numbers game um, of how many LGBTQ plus characters you have we got the further uh, the listen, he's just illustrated what Carrie just said. They need to bring these characters forward so they can give you the full breadth and depth of this lifestyle so that these children, because we're talking children's content here. We're not talking about movies made live action with adult actors. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi, which I'm sure they sneak that stuff in there, too. We're talking about children's animated you know, content. We're talking about children's content for young little kids, and they are deliberately including this information. I wonder, dear parent, are you pre-screening everything? 
that you let your kids watch because I know how it is. I've got six kids and three grandkids. We know how it is. We sometimes put, you know, content on for our kids to babysit them while we're focused on some task that we're trying to get through. But have we screened that content? Do we understand what's going into their heart and into their mind and into their psyche? How confusing is this content? Let me tell you, it is not easy. But I will never apologize on my deathbed for being a parent that's gravely concerned with protecting my children, their psyche, their spirituality, their, their emotions, their understanding of the world around them from a Catholic perspective. That is so very true. And lest you think that it stops there with just children's content, it doesn't. I mean, here's uh, uh, the diversity uh, lady. She is coming to say they're changing all of the language in their parks to get rid of things like the word ladies and gentlemen. Oh, no, that's not inclusive enough. So they're going with different language that is more inclusive. This is a very concerning story, especially given the fact that how much, what's the percentage again of the number of human persons in our country, let alone the world, that suffer with same-sex attraction, let alone gender dysphoria? I mean, it's like 3% or something. And it's, so, it's so minute compared to the billions of human beings. Yet this very small community somehow is, is, is dictating the conversation in our day and our age. As Catholics, we are concerned about people with same-sex attraction and gender dysphoria. We have great concern and charity for them as persons, as human persons. And the answer isn't to pretend as though what they're suffering from is somehow accepted and normal. They are, as persons made in the image likeness of God, are accepted 100%. Their dignity as children of the Most High is something to accept. But this confusion is not. Now, we just went through an entire season of a virus that, that went through the whole planet, and people understood that they had to help other people lock down, mask up, get shots, all this stuff, because they didn't want a virus to spread. And yet this virus spreads uncontrollably, and no one is willing to stop it. It corrupts the hearts and minds of young, impressionable human persons made in the image likeness of God, making them somehow think that they are different than what God intended for them. We should stop that, and we should properly help these people by prayers, fasting, and penance, and a true and a good understanding of who they are made in God's image. We'll be right back. Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for the world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard someone talk about how important it is to be progressive? Have you ever asked them what they mean by that? G.K. Chesterton says, Progress is a useless word, for progress takes for granted an already defined direction, and it's exactly about the direction that we disagree. We can't have progress until we've stated what our goal is. And then we can determine whether or not we're moving closer to it or farther from it. The real question is not whether we are progressive, but what is our goal? 
My goal is to get to heaven and to help others get there too. What's yours? Want Chesterton for more than a minute? Visit our website at chesterton.org. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now, more headlines. Reuters reports U.S. FTC accuses Intuit of deceptively advertising free tax filing. I'm sure you've, you've been there before. I've been there. The complaint said advertisements for TurboTax repeatedly stress that the service is free. In truth, TurboTax is only free for some users based on the tax forms they need. For many others, Intuit tells them, after they've been inv invested in time and effort gathering and inputting their sensitive personal and financial information, they cannot continue for free and they'll need to upgrade to a paid TurboTax service. And the Washington Examiner reports military items may be renamed due to Confederacy references. The commission was created last year to rename nine military bases and sites associated with the Confederacy, including Fort Lee, Fort Hood, Fort Benning, Fort Gordon, and many others. However, it is, uh, however, its updated list went beyond those bases and considered more bases across the country as well as two items located in a U.S. naval base in Japan. The final report is due to Congress on October 1st, and Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin will have final say on which items are renamed or removed. And the Epic Times reports, CIA officer who signed Hunter Biden laptop letter claims credit for Trump loss. One of the former CIA officers who signed a letter claiming stories about a laptop allegedly belonging to Hunter Biden were disinformation, says he helped swing the 2020 election away from President Donald Trump. In a tweet, he said, I take special pride in personally swinging the election away from Trump, John Cipher said. And Breitbart News reports, Joe Biden will drop Title 42 border protection. The barrier was raised by President Donald Trump's Centers for Disease Control and Prevention during the initial coronavirus wave. In practice, Biden has the political power to direct the CDC to keep the barrier operating unless judges intervene. The CDC barrier will expire on May 23rd unless it's extended. Homeland Security officials on Tuesday described contingency plans for managing as many as 18,000 encounters per day at the border, regardless of the cause. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, uh, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Uh, Jordan Pacheco is supposed to join us. Hopefully he'll be on here in just a second. Before he does, though, let me again thank Cliff Marler and Jesus Robles for your generosity in offering your prayers, fasting, and penance today in our Lenten calendar. Dear listener, if you would like to find more information about why we are praying, fasting, and doing penance specifically for the conversion of blasphemers, heretics, and peace in the world, well, you can go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. And you can click the link, uh, says uh, Lenten Campaign. Click that link. You'll be able to find all the information on why we're doing what we're doing and how you might be able to join us. Before it's all over, you still can join us there. So go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT to get that information. By the way, while you're there, you can find the podcast for Catholic Drive Time. We are on iTunes. We are on uh, Google Play. We're on Spotify. And wherever you do find us, be sure to leave a five-star review. It really does make a difference in helping us reach a new audience because those platforms will only show the best content to new users. They'll suggest it to them. So your five-star reviews can help us reach that audience. You'd be doing us a huge favor and joining us in this apostolate. So go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Good morning to you, Jordan Pacheco. 
We got to unmute. Hello. Good morning. There we are. Hi, Joe. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. It's good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you too. Hey, thanks again for pitching in while Adrian and I were retreating back to uh, to the oil country of Midland, Texas. We we appreciated having you uh, hanging out with Rudy for that week. Yeah, well, thanks for thanks for letting me. I think Rudy and I had fun, and, and you got a good boy over there, so we, we had a good time. Wow. <laughs> From your lips to God's ears. <laughs> so, uh, by the way, Rudy and Jordan, they host a show called uh, the Glad Trad Podcast, as you can find that on YouTube and elsewhere as well. So check them out, the Glad Trad Podcast. But, Jordan, you are a, uh, you're, you're an old-school filmmaker, uh, lived in Hollywood for a time. You work for the Augustine Institute now. So I thought it would be fun conversation to talk about movies and making movies from a Catholic perspective. I love movies. I've always loved movies as a kid growing up, and I still to this day love good movies told really mm-hmm. well, shot beautifully. Um, and so I thought it'd be fun to do that. Can I start with this? Let me ask you a question. What do you think are the the best and the worst movies from a Catholic perspective? Like from a, <laughs> like, let's just go with movies about Christianity, best and worst. Yeah. Oh, great question. Okay, so certainly one of my favorite movies on the Catholic perspective is A Man for All Seasons. And the reason why is because I think that that demonstrates that one can be can make good a good Catholic life about a saint without kind of falling for the Catholic or the more Protestant kind of gimmicks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that movies, until almost the last 10 minutes, silence is awesome until you get to the last 10 minutes. You're like, well, that's bull, bull step. And then um, <laughs> on the worst side, I actually am a really... I'm really not a fan of God's Not Dead, which was made by Catholic filmmakers, which surprises the stuffing out of me because I think it's, it's I think it's a little dishonest on on the atheistic uh, perspective, right? It's a little tropey. Yeah, they didn't really give them their due. They didn't pull a they didn't pull a Thomas Aquinas and give the best arguments for the other side and then debunk them. Well, and then another thing too is I think with a lot of contemporary Christian filmmaking in, in America, right, we, we have to rely on a lot of evangelical Protestants mostly to make money. And so unfortunately, like that just means that there's a lot of tropes and a lot of stereotypes because evangelical Protestantism doesn't tend to risk losing your faith, but the Catholics can. And so I think that's why we're really good at storytelling because we have an element of risk. Okay. So let's talk about risk then. So let's put it on the table. Silence. Um, that's a film that took great risks. what do you think about that? Yeah, so again, I think that the last 10 minutes where they made, they were like, oh, well, he stayed private his entire life. Like, no, nah, he trampled. That's apostasy. But what's interesting about silence is that it really showed what I think a lot of, of really great saints even struggled with in their relationship with God. I mean, we see the death, of course, of these Japanese martyrs. We see these priests who are thousands of miles away from anything like the conventional church. Mm-hmm. And they're witnessing the sense of the fact that God doesn't always speak in a way that we expect him to because God's not just a genie, right? So um, we all have to grapple with this, right? We, we see the, their own plateaus and their own peaks and valleys in our own life. And so here you have a priest who just wants to save souls, and he's asking where God is honestly. And it's up to him to realize that, you know, God is, is there in the midst of that suffering. And you can see that, of course, in the, in the heroism, especially of, of the Japanese people who kept the faith while the Jesuits were executed and kicked out and told yeah. to apostatize and everything. Yeah. So there, there's such a great beauty there. You know, and I think it's a story that should be told because the Japanese faithful had to remain faithful without the use of sacraments mm-hmm. for so long. In fact, uh, Adrian gave me a book uh, for Christmas on St. Maximilian Kolbe in mm. Nagasaki. And when he purchased the property to build the monastery there outside of Nagasaki, nobody wanted that land because it was where they had martyred some Christians, and there was a burial there. And under a, uh, I think it was under a statue of, I think it was Buddha, if I'm not mistaken, they found a crucifix 
uh, from those Japanese martyrs underneath there. So very fascinating to experience that. But yet, I would say the fact that that film ends with it's okay to trample, it's somehow okay to... Uh, to not really give in, give yourself over to martyrdom. That's a very troubling thing, and that that's a film unlike God's Not Dead, made with the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know it's unfortunate because I think that in our contemporary era we always have this kind of question of oh well, as long as you have your private little belief, is this is this an acceptable thing? I always think of what Christ Himself said, right? If you deny me in front of men, I will deny you in front of my Father. We see that you know it took. Peter's what makes Peter's forgiveness at the very end all the more worthwhile, of course, beautiful is the fact that we had to see his threefold betrayal um, instead of him just be like, oh, I really believe I can lie to people. This is not a doctrine in Catholicism. Um, in fact, it, it is essentially holding your your life in your hands. In A Man for All Seasons with Sir Thomas More, one of the reasons why he won't take the oath is because he says, what is an oath but words we say to God? This isn't just empty words that I can go to confession on. When a, a man takes an oath, he holds his soul in his own hands. And this is something that I think we've forgotten a lot of because words are so meaningless to a lot of people nowadays. Yeah. I, does it trouble you, like just from a production standpoint, I mean, I've, I was always the kid that loved the behind the scenes on the, you know, when they mm. started including yeah, yeah. those on DVDs, I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> like amazing. You watch those? Show? Oh, all the time. Huh. All the time. Oh, or, yeah. Or watching, you know, like in the early days of DVDs in the late 90s, you know, the director would watch his own film and comment on it. And I would watch mm-hmm. that. I'd be like, this is great. It's like Mystery Science 3000. Yeah. You know, this is awesome. But like when you, when you make films with a high quality, high budget, and you've got, you know, professionals on set, cinematographers, the best equipment, the best everything, and then they just, they just ruin the characters. Like uh, Sony's Risen. Did you watch that? <laughs> Yeah, we watched Risen. Uh, my wife and I have a very divided thing on on Risen. A house uh, I tended to like it more the first time. My wife was like, nah. Nah, <laughs> nah. Hard pass. I, you know, when I first watched that, I got to watch a, uh, a pre-screening version of that before it was released. Mm. And they warned us before rolling the film, hey, guys, there's going to be stuff in here that's going to make you mad. Hmm. Just let it go. This is pure entertainment. That's all this is. And if they hadn't said that, I might have walked out. And for me, mm. and it was entertainment, but the one thing that I'm a snob on when it comes to uh, movies from a Catholic perspective is Our Lady. I can give a pass mm. to bad actors playing terrible Jesuses or the apostles, but when it comes to Our Lady, I almost have never no forgiveness. And in that movie, they portray Our Lady as sobbing absolutely out of control at the, <laughs> at, at the cross. She's not even at the foot of the cross. She's in the back of the crowd. And the main character, the, this Roman, uh, says, can someone shut that woman up? I'm like, are you out of your mind? Who at the film set thought this was okay? Like, mm. was there and not this- one Catholic? That's funny that you say that. And again, this is probably why I'm excited on one hand, because there is a lot of tools and resources that I I believe are on the cusp of a Catholic renaissance in filmmaking. Um, I think that part of my work now really, really helps that. But also I I can just see in the air there's a lot of Catholics who are disgruntled because we're kind of done playing the Protestant game. I mean, people talk about this with with Chosen, right? They say, well, on one hand, okay, it's cool that there's a high budget Christian production out there. But on the other hand, Christological things are, are they, they're not up for interpretation. They're Hold that thought. Artistry. Hold that thought. We'll pick up right there on the other side of this very quick break. George Pacheco is our guest. He is with the Glad Trad Podcast. Also works at the Augustine Institute. More on that. It's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Be right back.
Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. When St. Pope John Paul II added the Luminous Mysteries to the Holy Rosary back around 2002, I found the Transfiguration to be one of the most difficult mysteries for me to meditate on. I knew its story, but didn't know how to relate it to my life. Years later, after dealing with some medical struggles, I realized that to experience the Transfiguration was to grasp a small sense of God's grace in my life a preview of the good things to come. But like the disciples who at the time didn't know what they were witnessing on Mount Tabor, we too need to take in the mysteries of our struggles and our blessings, because in the end, if we cooperate with God, He has a great plan to transfigure us from this mortal state. This is Matt Maloney for KnowTheFaith.net. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Jordan Pacheco is our, our guest. Half, at least 50% at a minimum of the Glad Trad podcast. I mean, generous, generous 50. <laughs> I don't know. I've heard some say, some would say 65%. You know what they some, say? Ooh. Yeah. Find well, out what, tomorrow. What, yeah, we're going to find out what they say tomorrow. <laughs> I was going to say, but I say. <laughs> when they are on the show tomorrow, we're going to mm. ask they all about what they say coming up mm. tomorrow morning. But Jordan's here, and we're going to talk about movies instead. So uh, we at the before the break, you were starting to get into some very good uh, point in our conversation. That is, we can spend a ton of money. We can have the best of the best equipment, actors, producers, lighting, grip, makeup, and craft services. Never forget the good craft services. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's important to me. Good, yes. solid craft services. <laughs> Yummy taste. Anyway, uh, but <laughs> if you don't have a theological like undertone, a, a fabric with which an understand, a language with which you're trying to communicate the story, then what's the point? Right. I mean, again, we fall into kind of the trap of Protestant filmmaking, not to completely disparage a lot of efforts made by Protestants. I mean, at least they're they're making films in mass. Yeah, right? A lot better the than Catholic us. Church is a patron of the arts. So you'd think we do more. But I would say for Catholic filmmakers, um, I always say, you know, there's so much debate and, and obviously like artistry that you just can't show when it comes to to Christ and the lives of Our Lady and directly what happened to the Passion. There are things you have to adhere to because that's what happened. So my advice usually is, why don't we try to find either the lives of, of the saints in a particularly well-shot way, or maybe we focus on, on what Catholics have been doing forever, which is we focus on stories universal, but of course the Catholic church or the Catholic faith is the backdrop, it's it's the bedrock. This is again, one of the reasons I like, I like my one of my patrons is Sir Thomas More because as far as we can tell, he didn't have the beatific vision, but he understood that the world he lived in was the law passed from God given to man. And he was going to stay upon that rock and the rock of the church. So it's a great struggle without the need of 
of of cherubs per se or, or any artist kind of reductions that we have of the things of heaven yeah that's so true jordan i like what you're saying too about the, there are certain aspects of our faith that are not open to interpretation like one of the things we were talking about before the break was you know how they interpret our blessed mother and even things like the chosen which i'm not a fan of because of the way that they portray you know the birth of christ they show birth pains which is not theologically correct but I'm wondering, you know, we have a, a friend of the show, uh, her name is uh, Kimberly Sunderman, and she has a son who's interested in, in filmmaking. And to go back to something you said a few minutes ago, you know, we're at the pretty much at the point of a renaissance in Catholic filmmaking. All the technology is there. It's accessible. The stories are good. They're there. You know, the, as you mentioned, it's the bedrock of our, our storytelling. Uh, what would you suggest for people who want to get into filmmaking? You know, I, I'm I'm thinking of you specifically because you you happen to be an advocate for not going to film school. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So again, thank God for YouTube Academy and thank God for accessible tools for filmmakers. I'm very fortunate because I'd never really touched any film equipment until film school. But if I had grown up in a place or even in a time that was a little bit more accessible. I would have just gone on set by the time I was 16 as a production assistant. I would be shooting my own stuff, have my own reel by the time I graduate high school and into the college years. Um, and I would have just built my craft from there. You can learn coloring in an afternoon and then you have to practice for a very long time. Mm. Editing the same way, shooting, you know, I'm a cinematographer and an editor. And these things are things you have to spend thousands of hours doing in order to call yourself something viable in the game. Uh, and how exciting it is because people don't have to go to USC and don't have to go into tens of thousands of dollars in debt. And I will tell you this for professional filmmakers, nobody cares where you came from. Nobody cares what school you came from. They just care about what you can bring to the table, both in your own mind. And of course, a lot of times as a cinematographer, the kind of equipment when you're just starting out. You know, speaking of your own mind, you know, I'm thinking of whenever we were talking a second ago about how Protestants are the ones making most of the Christian movies. And it seems contradictory to me because the Protestant mindset is bound up in iconoclasm. They would go in and they destroy Catholic churches, destroy Catholic art. Uh, you hear the accusation among, uh, against Catholics of making statues and pictures and paintings and pictures of Our Lady and the Saints and Our Lord. And yet they're the ones wanting to make Christian movies, and it seems these ideas are inconsistent, and perhaps that leads towards their uh, the why their movies turn out to be so bland a lot of times and are just preachy. Uh, what, well, what do you think about that? Yeah, so the the Protestant landscape is so vast that I think that they just have to appeal to a common denominator a lot of times because a lot of times it's not just Protestants exclusively seeing these movies, but we all know everyone's Catholic mom has a couple of Protestant films on the shelf, right? Uh, <laughs> on the other side, too, it's funny. I think things like The Chosen have kind of helped settle the iconoclast debate for some Protestants. They don't have an, a discomfort, if you will, in the depiction of, say, Christ with actors and, and these sorts of things. And so I've I've noticed in my conversations sometimes with Protestants, it's interesting that where I would be fearful about, well, what does even the depiction of the heavenly things look like? It's not, they're so wide and so watered down and so diverse now that mm. it's hard to even pin down exactly what. So that's one thing about this, especially contemporary evangelicals, it's very interesting. Um, some of these old anti-Catholic things, they just they just don't even know anymore. They haven't inherited. And moving pictures are, are too powerful for them not to not to kind of reconsider maybe their, that implicit theology. Um, 
again, Catholics should lead the charge on this. We we are the patrons of the arts. There's reasons why thousands of years later we'll read things like Dante or, or Chaucer or or something with a huge or Don Quixote, um, wh where there are these Catholic elements there that you could only tell the story through that sort of lens. And again, mm -hmm. it's because in the world of storytelling, Catholics can lose their faith. Catholics have to risk it all. You think of a saint like Saint Augustine, and in order for him to become Saint Augustine, you have to see that 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 dark night of the soul when he was living a life completely not conformed with Christ. And so it's going to be harder if you have more of a, a Protestant background that says, "Well, once saved, always saved." So what's the big deal? Like these martyrs are going like they're not going to be scared of the fed the lions. They have Jesus. You know? They've had Jesus since they were five. Who cares? Well, you know, one of the things that I wanted to ask was, what do you think is lacking? In the filmmaking space it doesn't have to be like too much on the nose you know christian yeah. films but stories in general what would you if you if you were the master of all the universe and uh, you had like you know george soros kind of money what what <laughs> kind of films would you be making and what would you want catholic uh, filmmakers to be making uh for the movie business yeah so i've always said this i think that while it's it's easy for us to, to just go through the lives of the saints i would love maybe something more like take marriage story as a movie for example what a crazy movie to show the devolution of a marriage to pick it up to the backdrop of these these kids having to save their marriage in in a way that's not as cheesy as fireproof but just in the backdrop of understanding that there's objective morality and there's objective truth so much of the filmmaking business just in society is just about what the gray areas are and this is this is again the problem with silence it's not giving us at the end a definitive understanding of God's moral authority, even not giving us a litmus test of have we failed or triumphed according to God's moral authority, which I think is a, is a crux of Catholic filmmaking. It's okay, I think. It's important to show that sometimes people will walk away from Christ, and sometimes it makes more interesting storytelling, let's be honest here. So I think that if we, we, we try to overcorrect nowadays, right, there's so much moral relevancy that when we do make moral stories, they have to be they have to be completely cookie cutter. And that's that's wonderful, especially when saints overcome their challenges. But you have to show the challenges to be overcome, even the saints in our own lives, right? Even our own daily struggles. You know, um, I was just thinking about like the Ignatius of Loyola film uh, that published by Ignatius Press. Mm -hmm, I Ignatius enjoyed that yeah. film. I thought it was very good. I thought the acting was decent, mm -hmm. but it's still maybe a little bit too much on the nose or a little too long in the tooth. Uh, Augustine, uh, also another one of those films published out by Ignatius Press. But uh, one of the issues I find that is, a, I think, a real issue for Catholic filmmakers is, yes, they can get gear that's affordable. They can do things very creative, make them look very beautiful for pennies on the dollar, what used to be. Uh, and they could have all of this stuff, but at the end of the day, if they don't have distribution, no one will see their films. And so how do we solve that? I know Formed is a, is a great product. I, I'm a subscriber to it. My family and I enjoy our content on that, on, on that platform. But I feel like that's one of the biggest issues. I mean, the, one of the reasons why Chosen has done so well is because it plays with all varieties of people in Christianity and has the backing of all varieties. And so it's got a bigger pool. But if you were to make a Catholic-centric film, a beautiful film, a great story, gripping everything perfect, it would be very difficult to get anybody to see it. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of funny because on one hand, uh, 
I, I don't think all balkanization is a bad thing. I think the kind of Benedict option parallel society that's just happening naturally because Christians are so sick, Catholics are so sick of just the secular world telling their children everything is kind of interesting. I, I think that formed is, is part of that, right? At the same time, the Catholic mind is not just about making things for the Catholics. It's about, it, it is the deepest story that we have to the soul because it is the church founded by Christ himself. And so as a result, this is why people who aren't Catholic, again, will be drawn to Dante or drawn to the Sistine Chapel or mm -hmm. drawn to Mozart's Requiem Mass. And therefore, I think that at the end of the day, Catholics just need to, to dig their keels in and explore how did those pieces of art, how did pieces of media in bygone times reach peoples who had no bearance on the faith whatsoever? How is it that these things are so important that they've become the, the bastion of Western civilization? not just the Catholic church. And so I would say that Catholics first and foremost need to almost in a way, um, kind of, you know, distribution's important and, and getting the story that's important, which is why I say, you know, we should start on elements that have maybe the Catholic backdrop more. Things that don't take as much budget, but still can have just such story richness. The the mid-budget drama is something that already is in jeopardy. But I think that there's there's a lot of demonstration in the market that people still like to see that sort of thing. Yeah. So maybe we just start slow, right? The story of a priest having to struggle with a small parish out in the middle of Nebraska, right? Something like, like the movie Cavalry, which I, I, I'm a huge fan of. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just picking up the pieces from there and seeing what happens. Yeah, there's been several films, I think, that kind of fit into that category. They're very Catholic, but they're not, they're like, the point isn't Catholic. It's just that's part of the story and the fabric of who they are. Kind of like Disney using LGBTQ ideas, you know? They want them <laughs> to be the fabric. Well, we want that, too, but only Catholic. All right, Jordan Pacheco, God love you. We're grateful for your time today. Have a great day. Yeah, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for having me. All right, praise be to God. That's going to do it for hour number one today. We're very grateful for you, dear listener, for joining us today. If you can and are able, please join us in the second hour. You can always hang out with us live on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. There's a link there. You can either watch live right on the webpage or go to the YouTube or the Odyssey. We're on Rumble, LinkedIn. We're on a lot of places. And you can find all the links on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Tomorrow, they are going to be on our program. Because you know what they say. Well, they are going to have to give an account tomorrow. I also think we're talking about the reign of Mary tomorrow. That's all coming up. God love you. God bless you. Share us with a friend, and we'll see you then. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. If we are what we eat, do we really want to supersize it? One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. In St. Benedict's Rule, a guide he wrote for living in monastic communities, he writes that the need for sustenance varies from person to person and with different times and different activities. Living by the rule, Benedictine monks watch both what we eat and when we eat. 
The goal is not to burden our bodies by taking as much as we can get, but to feed them just enough to build our bodies up for the task we have been given in life. In our lives of overabundance, St. Benedict's rule for moderation in food and drink is especially relevant. For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com. O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com. Next time you're tempted to supersize it, think about where God has placed you in life and right-size it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we'll have you at the gate and plenty of time for you to get to confession before Mass this evening. Wouldn't it be great if everyone regularly went to confession? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Your Odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is Thursday, March the 31st, 2022, and you know what today is. Today is the day we send out our email to the CDT insiders, and we give them exclusive content, content that we don't provide elsewhere. So you might, if you're not already, you might consider joining our email list this morning to make sure that you get the email later this uh, afternoon. Praise be to God. You can do that in a number of ways. Number one, you could go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and join the inside crew of the Catholic Drive Time. Or you could pull out your cell phone, and you can text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's it. That's very easy, very slick. Pull out your cell phone, go to your text messaging app, and uh, type in the the number, 428. That's where you're going to send the text to. And the text itself, you just put in the letters GRN, and that automatically signs you up for the CDT Insider email list. And I'll be sending that out later today. Praise be to God. So good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. We had a uh, great conversation with your better half. I love Jordan. He's, uh, He's the brother I never had. Yeah, he's yeah. the brother you've never had. <laughs> uh, the second half of your, uh, we should we should stipulate, we yeah, should be clear. Come here. on, Joe. This With is... your better half of your podcast. Listen, this isn't a Disney. <laughs> it's not. This a isn't Disney. a Disney show. It's okay, definitely so... not a Disney production. <laughs> it's the better Don't half sneak of your, that in there. Your right? Glad Trad podcast. Your not so secret agenda. Speaking of Glad, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. 
Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. Praise be to God. Despite of it all, despite the fact that uh, (laughs) Disney's trying to trans our kids, it is still good to be here. In spite Uh, of it all. Yep. But, you know, praise be to God. It's going to be a great weekend. I know it's still, we still have more than 24 hours left, but I am really looking forward to the weekend. It's going to be great because we got first Saturday going on and first Friday going on, and it's going to be a great time. Yeah, for sure. Amen. We did cover a lot of ground last hour. We did talk about the Disney story, uh, the breaking, uh, leaking footage that about their inside conversations and uh, trying to you know, manipulate our young ones, our little children, watching that content. That was terrible. And then Jordan Pacheco had a fun conversation about Catholic movie making and uh, movies from a Catholic perspective. So if you didn't get to hear that, you could always find it on the podcast on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt but in this hour we do have good news for you praise be to god then we have saint of the day gospel of the day we also have our game show fear and trembling with three more opportunities for you to get into the prize pack this week you could win it's possible you do have to be the caller at 15 past the the first caller gets to be the contestant now it's possible you could call in early and sit on hold that's up to you i'll leave that to you and you know the phone number is on our website so you could find that there but if you wait I'll give you the number, and the first caller gets to play the game and possibly win. Uh, can I thank Cliff Marler and Jesus Robles for joining us in our Lenten campaign today? Today is their day. They've chosen today to pray, to fast, to do penance, to offer their sacrifices and sufferings for the complete conversion of those that would teach heresy, those that would blaspheme the good and holy name of our Lord and Savior Jesus, and, uh, and to pray for peace in the world. And we're so grateful to Cliff and Jesus for doing that today. Again, all the information linked up on our website, grnonline.com. So much to get into. We will have a full after show where you get to drive the conversation. And if you fail to comment on the live video feeds, then we talk about food, movies, and now cars. Thanks to Rudy being in the room. Because, <laughs> Adrian, you never want to talk about cars to me. Why is that? I don't know anything about cars. Your car has no tailgate. There's something we could talk about. That's the only thing I know about cars. <laughs> that your, mine does not have your a tailgate. Have a tailgate. <laughs> uh, the conversation the after show is uh, it's all up for grabs. You drive that conversation with your comments, and we interact directly with you. So look forward to that in the second half on our live video feeds. Again, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Let's pray. The Golden Arrow Prayer is a part of our Lenten campaign, and let's get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible, and unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, by all the creatures of God, and by the sacred heart of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and other good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And here's a story that's going to warm your heart. Epic Times reports woman sends granddaughter to lone elderly man's table to ask him to join them, prompting a double kindness. An Australian couple were dining with their grandchildren when they noticed a lone elderly man at a nearby table. Something about the sight of the man in his 90s touched their heart. Ali and Chris were at a Chinese restaurant in Yarrawonga, a town in the Australian state of Victoria, with their grandkids, aged 9 and 12. This was uh, Christmas 2021 when they noticed an elderly man, Phil, eating all by himself. Ali sent her then 8-year-old daughter to ask him if he would like to join them for dinner, and surprisingly, Phil agreed. 
In a touching post that was shared on the Facebook group The Kindness Pandemic, Allie's sister, Helen, who's 56, wrote, He told stories of his war journey and his wife in the nursing home. According to Helen, who lives in Melbourne, the kids loved hearing Phil's stories and interacting with him. The kids are very well adjusted and have been taught to be kind and considerate, she told the Epic Times. For Allie, the thought of including Phil in her family came to her because she felt sad seeing him alone. She thought that if it was her dad or mom, she would hope somebody would include them too. At the end of the evening, Allie wanted to pay for the elderly man's meal too, but to her surprise, another table had noticed that what the family had done and paid for all of their meals before leaving the restaurant. The fact that another table of people also acted with kindness by identifying a kind gesture and paying for dinner makes this story extra special. She confessed that hearing about this act of double kindness prompted a strong emotional response in her. I cried when my sister told me what they did, she said. I feel acts of kindness like this are a beautiful thing. It gives faith in humanity back to people. And that's really good news. God love you. The saint of the day, well, today you're going to get two. Saint Stephen of Marsaba was born in 725. Stephen of Marsaba was the nephew of Saint John Damascene, who was the last of the church fathers, who introduced the young boy to monastic life beginning at the age of 10. When he reached the age of 24, Stephen served the community in a variety of ways, including becoming a guest master. After some time, he asked permission to live a hermit's life. The answer from the abbot was yes, but also no. Stephen could follow his preferred lifestyle during the week, but on the weekends, he was to offer his skills as a counselor. Stephen placed a note on the door of his cell, Forgive me, fathers, in the name of the Lord, but please do not disturb me, except on Saturdays and Sundays. Despite his calling to prayer and quiet, Stephen displayed uncanny skills with people and was a valued spiritual guide. His biographer and disciples wrote about Stephen, Whatever help, spiritual or material, he was asked to give, he gave. He received and honored all with the same kindness. He possessed nothing and lacked nothing. In total poverty, he possessed all things. Stephen died in 794, and I guess you could call him the patron saint of leave me alone. I know I want to get one of those signs and put it outside my door. The other saint of the day is St. Guy of Pomposa. Yes, spelled G-U-Y, St. Guy. He was born in Italy and gave everything to the poor. He spent three years as a hermit on the island of Po River, and he became the abbot of St. Severus. He became a much sought-after spiritual advisor, and his feast day is March 31st. Hey, that's today. St. Saint Guy of Pomposa, pray for us. St. Stephen of Marsaba, Pray for us. Wow. Sounds like a really great guy. Agreed. Just just saying. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 5, verses 31 through 47. Jesus said to the Jews, If I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is not true. But there is another who testifies on my behalf, and I know that the testimony he gives on my behalf is true. You sent emissaries to John, and he testified to the truth. I do not accept human testimony, but I say this so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and for a while you were content to rejoice in his light. 
but I have testimony greater than John's. The works that the Father gave me to accomplish, these works that I perform, testify on my behalf that the Father has sent me. Moreover, the Father who sent me has testified on my behalf, but you have never heard his voice nor seen his form, and you do not have his word remaining in you because you do not believe in the one whom he sent. You search the scriptures because you think you have eternal life through them. Even they testify on my behalf, but you do not want to come to me to have life. I do not accept human praise. Moreover, I know that you do not have the love of God in you. I came in the name of my Father, but you do not accept me. Yet, if another comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe when you accept praise from one another and do not seek the praise that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who will accuse you is Moses, in whom you have placed your hope. For if you have believed Moses, you would have believed me, because he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Hadok said, Christ now gives them reason why they do not receive him and his doctrine, nor believe in him, because they are void of the love of God, full of self-love, envy, pride, seeking for praise and glory one from another. Hence you will not receive me, who come in the name of my Father, sent to redeem the world, but if another, such as a false prophet or even Antichrist himself, who will pretend to be the Messiah, come in his own name, him you will receive. Close quote, Hadok. Let's be careful whom we choose to receive, huh? Adrian, what did you find? Uh, yes, there's a ton here, so I'm going to try to jump right into it, cover as much as I can. Cornelius Lapide said, He did not say, read the scriptures, but search them. Dig out the hidden treasures which they contain concerning me and divine things. Just as those who search the veins of gold and silver dig in the earth and to find them, thus the bariners who, to whom Paul preached search the scriptures with a sincere desire to know nothing but the truth. Therefore, in the scriptures, they found Christ, whom Paul preached to them. And then he goes on to cite a bunch of sources showing uh, the prefigurement of Christ in the Old Testament written by Moses, in which the Jews should have noticed. Cornelius Lapide also says, Ye owe... Uh, ye, O ye Jews, being terrified by the voice of the angel's trumpet and by the fire that lighted on Sinai, ask that ye might not hear any more that terrible voice, nor see the dreadful fire, but that God might speak to you by Moses as a mediator. But you keep not the promise by which you bound yourselves. You accepted the stipulation that you would hear the prophet of your own nation, whom he should send. But his word and compact abide not in you, because what ye promised ye are not willing to fulfill. For behold, I am he who has sent. And he, yea, and yea, neither believe me nor hear me as ye promised. What is it being said here? He's saying the Jews have promised to listen to the word of God. They promised to be followers of, of, of the one true God, the follower of Moses. And yet whenever the one who Moses pointed to shows up and shows the signs that he is he, who tells them who he is, they refuse to believe. They reject him. 
And so St. Cyril and Chrysostom say, Ye boast falsely, O ye Jews, that ye have seen and heard God on Sinai. For God is a pure spirit. Wherefore, that voice which ye heard and that appearance of fire which ye saw on Sinai was neither the voice nor the true appearance of God, but only a corporeal symbol and a figure shadowing forth to you who are fleshly and ignorant of the invisible Godhead. So he's saying here, you think that you saw God. You think that you heard the voice of God, but God is not a body. God is a God, is the Godhead. But in Christ, he is incarnate. In Christ, he has a form. By the word that comes out of the mouth of Christ, you actually hear God's voice, unlike the voice on the mountain. Because the voice on the mountain was a manifestation that God created. It wasn't actually his voice. It was something that he had formulated. And so for that reason, we should be looking to Christ and not to the things that prefigure Christ. All right. Praise be to God. Thank you, Adrian. And thank you, Cornelius Alapade, for your diving deep into the Gospels today. Uh, by the way, we're going to go to a break and we're going to play the game Fear and Trembling. That's coming up next. But I just got a note that guess what? Father Donald Calloway is coming to San Antonio, Texas, April 28th for the Fishers of Men Benefit Dinner, uh, supporting the Guadalupe Radio Network and our stations there in the South and Central Texas area. April 19th is your last day to get the tickets. You can go to grnonline.com or call your local station manager for the details. Coming up after the break, fear and trembling. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read scripture, read the catechism, listen to apologetics tapes, listen to Catholic radio, learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5 verse 10, do not be afraid, henceforth you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, the sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know, when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation 
by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and do not share with anybody what we are about to share with you. All right? That's the deal. But number one, we like to teach the faith, so we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something that you did not know before. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to have a good time. We like to laugh, and our callers tend to be amazing. They tend to be a lot of fun, good sports, and they laugh right along with us, and we enjoy that quite a bit. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which means this is a winner for everybody involved. And uh, here's the kicker. If you're just joining us, I'll explain. We have three Catholic trivia questions in front of us, but we do not ask the caller these questions, which means they don't need to know a single correct answer and could still win the game because we ask Rudy and Adrian, and one of them will be correct and the other will be incorrect. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. What could they win, Rudy? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is Blessed Catholic. Amber is generously sponsoring our game show with an Our Lady of Lords blue enamel medal. It's an antique. It's rescued. It's restored. And at Blessed Catholic, you will find an impressive collection of antique and vintage Catholic medals, rosaries, and holy cards from all over the world. Please check out her store and consider being a patron. Her store is Blessed Catholic. That's one word, Blessed Catholic, on Etsy.com. All right. Praise be to God. Thank you, Blessed Catholic on Etsy. We're very grateful to you for sponsoring our game show today. Now, if you called in and you don't make it, tomorrow is your last chance. You can always call in early. It's possible, but let's go to the phones. Damon, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Praise be to God. Damon, where are you calling from? Dallas. Dallas, Texas, the great metropolis of the north. Very grateful. We love our Dallas callers. Now, where do you go to church, David? Uh, Mary Immaculate Catholic Church. Wonderful. Farmer's Branch. Praise be to God. I have been there. It's been, I don't know, a decade or so, but I have been there. And uh, are you familiar with the game? Do you know how this all works? Yep. I've heard it before. Praise God. So then you probably have an opinion or two of, of whom is trickiest. Okay. Who do you think is the trickiest of all, Rudy or Adrian? Uh, I say Rudy. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say. <laughs> I say Joe. Why what? do you say what? Joe? What? <laughs> no. Uh, I think Joe's da- the trickiest. Damon, I'm on your side. Okay. It's me and you, buddy. Are you ready? Yep. Let's do this. We're gonna start as is our custom, our tradition, our patrimony. The music makes it better. <laughs> good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. It's good to see you. Uh, are you ready to play the game? Uh, I suppose. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you Are you sure? I'm obviously joking. I love this part of the show. Yes, I'm <laughs> This ready. is the part of all the parts yes. that you love the most. I love the game I, That show. makes sense. All right, Rudy, which can you tell me here? Uh, in the Holy Mass, what comes first? Is it the doxology or the mementos? Hmm. Are you talking about Mentos mints? I'm pretty sure that no, invalidates no, the fat, the Eucharistic does it, fast. Does yeah. it? Does it? In any case, I'm going to go with Mementos. Mementos. 
comes before the doxology mm-hmm. in the Holy Mass. That's yep. your answer. Yep. Okay. Okay. Hey, uh, Adrian. Hey, Joe. Can you tell me? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. All right. Uh, in the Holy Mass, which comes first? Is it the doxology or mm. the mementos? Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Yeah. Whoever picked that question Brilliant. must be a smart guy. So smart. And well, the uh, let's see. The mementos is a remembrance of the dead. Yeah. And the doxology is a praise to God. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure yeah. they give the praise to God and they lift it up through him, with him, and in him before they pray for the dead. Are you sure? Or in pray for the living as well. Are you sure? That's what I'm going with. It's sure. Yeah, wow. I mean, I guess what other choice were you going to make since Rudy already covered mementos? All right, here is the deal, Damon. What comes first? Is it the doxology or mementos? Adrian seems to think it's the doxology, giving praise to God. Or is it the memento, as Rudy says, which is remembering the dead? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Damon, what say you? What are you laughing at over there? I'm laughing at Mike Kay's comment. I'll tell you after. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Damon, who do you go with? I'm going to go with Adrian on the doxology. Go the other way. Go the way. Oh, see, this is why I say one can't trust Adrian too much. I mean, see? Yep. Yeah, the, He's always gonna the prayers you. for the living yeah. and praying prayers for the dead come first. Yes. Curveball. They threw you a curveball. My case says Joe's yeah. the trickiest. He actually talked someone out of a correct answer. That's, that's true. true. That did happen. I was there. I may have to sue for defamation now. I'm not sure. <laughs> My K. Damon, I, I'm sorry. I feel like I let you down. But in fact, mementos comes first before the doxology. But hey, you learned something, right? You learned something, yep. and I'm sure, I'm sure we're going to get you in the cup with this next question. Here we go. Back to Adrian. Uh-oh. Adrian, you are a, uh, a literal Latin scholar. A literal Latin scholar. Yeah, or maybe I'm more I of a dia- that... dynamic equivalence Latin scholar. I was going to go literalistic, but whatever. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, can you translate into English the Latin phrase Regina Chaley? The Latin phrase Regina Chaley. Yes, that translates to exactly word from word. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No salvation outside of the church. <laughs> <laughs> what? Sorry. <clears throat> what was that? Yes. Regina Chaley translates to no salvation outside the church. Okay. Mm-hmm. Say word to word translation. There's, there's a lot of words in there. Huh. So word to word, there's a lot. Of... Regina Chaley, there's a lot. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's see what the Rudy says. Hey, Rudy, can you tell me, or rather, can you translate for me into English the Latin phrase Regina Chaley? What does that mean in English? Si, si, in English, eh. <laughs> Queen of Heaven. Queen of Queen Heaven. Queen of Heaven. Less words. And her. Huh, interesting. Okay. Well, Damon, uh, tough choices, but Regina Chaley, what does that mean? It Does it mean queen of heaven, as Rudy says? Or does it mean no salvation outside of the church, as Adrian seems to think? That's an awful lot of words. For, but at any rate, 15 <laughs> seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Damon, what say you? I'm going to go with Rudy and queen of heaven. Probably a wise choice. Survey says... Let's yeah, go. Yeah. Did you know if you mix up all of the letters in No Salvation Outside of the Church, you get Regina Chaley? 
<laughs> with the amount of word letters the that letters, are in there. Yeah, yeah. Regina Chaley, Queen of Heaven. That's one of my. Uh, I, I love singing that too. By the way, my kids love singing it too. Regina Chaley, praise be to God. You're in the cup, Damon. You could win. It's possible. Um, but I think we're going to get you at least twice into the cup with this next question. Are you ready, sir? Uh oh. Yep. It's yep. a hard question. Are, are you sure, Damon? I, I got a little. I'm uh, not sure. Confident answer there. Damon, you're scaring you're, me. You're Damon. not sweating bullets right now, Damon. Are you? I mean, this was this is easily the hardest question of the day. <laughs> this next one. Uh, we're going to go back to Rudy first. Okay. Rudy, why or what? Here we go. What do altar cloths symbolize? All right. You're at the local art gallery. Yeah. You're looking to the left. Uh-huh. You're looking to the right. Okay. There's a lot of people there. Yeah. Like, what are they doing there? And you're trying to get a, a look at the paintings. And one of the paintings, uh-huh. it's mm-hmm. our blessed Lord. Yeah. He's resurrected. Ooh. And he's got a standard, uh-huh. which is like big banner pole I've thing. I've seen that image. So that linen represents... The standard that he's carrying. Really? Usually a white piece of cloth. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. And we would take that standard and lay it on the altar. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, Just without the stick. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, let's see what Adrian says. Adrian, can you tell me? Uh-oh. I mean, yes. What do altar cloths symbolize? What do altar cloths symbolize? Yes. So, you know, the altar symbolizes the body of Christ, like the tomb in which he was laid. And the linens, the altar cloth, symbolize the linens in which the body of Christ is wrapped. Ooh. Mm. Like the shroud. Mm. That's the shroud of Turin. That seems to check Ooh. out, I suppose. One of my, my wish lists is to go see the shroud of Turin. Interesting. All right, Damon, is it the linen which wrapped the body of Christ, like the shroud of Turin, as Adrian says? Or is it the banner of Christ, as Rudy says, 15 seconds on the clock, who is right, who is wrong? Damon from Dallas, what say you? Uh, I guess I'll go with uh, Adrian. I like the way you said that. (laughs) What do you mean? You guess. I I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. Adrian is right. Congratulations. Got you in for two. You're in for two. Praise be to God. Well done. Well played, Damon. We're very grateful for your time today and being a good sport and playing along with us. Have a great day, sir. Hey, too. Have a good day. All right. God bless. We're going to put you on hold. Don't go anywhere. But that is going to do it for the radio side of our show. Hopefully you learned a few things. Praise be to God. Make sure to sh- you know share that with friends and family later today. Did you know? Did you know? The altar cloth represents the Shroud of Turin. How cool would that be? If you can, join us in the after show where we will get a lot more comfortable and casual with our conversation. You can hang out with us on our live video streams at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate Thursday of the fourth week of Lent. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Perdona tu pueblo, Señor. Perdona tu pueblo, perdonale, Señor. Perdona tu pueblo, Señor. Perdona tu pueblo, perdona mi Señor. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask the Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and to you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. We invoke your mercy and humble prayer, O Lord, that you may cause us, your servants, corrected by penance and schooled by good works, to persevere sincerely in your commands and come safely to the Paschal festivities through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Exodus. The Lord said to Moses, Go down at once to your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, for they have become depraved. They have soon turned aside from the way I pointed out to them, making for themselves a molten calf and worshiping it, sacrificing to it and crying out, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I see how stiff-necked this people is. Let me alone them, that my wrath may blaze up against them to consume them. Then I will make of you a great nation. But Moses implored the Lord, his God, saying, Why, O Lord, should your wrath blaze up against your own people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, with such great power and with so strong a hand? 
Why should the Egyptians say, With evil intent he brought them out, that he might kill them in the mountains and exterminate them from the face of the earth? Let your blazing wrath die down. Relent in punishing your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, and how you swore to them by your own self, saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And all this land that I promised, I will give your descendants as their perpetual heritage. So the Lord relented in the punishment he had threatened to inflict on his people. The word of the Lord. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. Our fathers made a calf in Horeb and adored a molten image. They exchanged their glory for the image of a grass-eating bullock. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. They forgot the God who had saved them, who had done great deeds in Egypt, wondrous deeds in the land of Ham, terrible things at the Red Sea. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. Then he spoke of exterminating them, but Moses, his chosen one, withstood him in the breach to turn back his destructive wrath. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to the Jews, If I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is not true. But there is another who testifies on my behalf. And I know that the testimony he gives on my behalf is true. You sent emissaries to John, and he testified to the truth. I do not accept human testimony, but I say this so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and for a while you were content to rejoice in his light. But I have testimony greater than John's. The works that the Father gave me to accomplish these works that I perform, I testify on my behalf that the Father has sent me. Moreover, the Father who sent me has testified on my behalf. But you have never heard his voice nor seen his form, and you do not have his word remaining in you, because you do not believe in the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think you have eternal life through them. Even they testify on my behalf. But you do not want to come to me to have life. I do not accept human praise. Moreover, I know that you do not have the love of God in you. I came in the name of my Father, but you do not accept me. Yet if another comes in his own name, you will accept him. 
How can you believe when you accept praise from one another, and do not seek the praise that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who will accuse you is Moses, in whom you have placed your hope. For if you had believed Moses, you would have believed me, because he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I can remember as a child before going to bed, our mother would read us stories from the Bible. I remember going through the stories in Exodus and of you know, the Israelites being freed from slavery in Egypt and then heading out into the desert. And I remember being absolutely incredulous when you get to the part where they built the, col the golden calf and they start to worship it while Moses is up on Mount Sinai. I remember asking my mother, how is it even possible that these people forgot everything that God had done for them? After everything he did to lead them out of Egypt, and here they are not only forgetting about him, but actually replacing him and putting up a golden calf kind of didn't make any sense to me as a kid as to how that was even possible. Of course, as you grow up, you realize it's pretty easy to forget about God sometimes, and we can kind of start to carve out our own path. And very sadly, we're reminded as well that it isn't just a matter of forgetting about God and leaving a vacuum there, but oftentimes, or almost every time, it means replacing God with something else, which is not God, and that is precisely what idolatry is and that is precisely why it's such a grave sin because it replaces and substitutes God for something infinitely less than him. One of the amazing parts of the liturgy in general and even our liturgical seasons is it's all meant in a way to call to mind our memory to remember all the things that God has done for us over and over again in the liturgy, and in fact, even in the liturgical seasons themselves, and we can sometimes say, going through Lent every year, it seems like it comes up and you feel like the previous Lent had just passed, you know, as time goes by faster and faster. But all of the, even the repetition of the liturgical seasons and the liturgical cycle, uh, it's all basically meant for us so that we don't forget the works of God in our life, and in particular, of course, the Paschal mystery of Jesus Christ on the cross. Um, even at Mass, you know, every Mass is a memorial in that we are calling to mind and representing that one saving sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross 2,000 years ago so that we never forget what it means for us in terms of the gift of salvation and in terms of the day-to-day -day strength that we need in receiving the Lord in the Eucharist in older order to sustain us on our journey. But so many parts of the liturgy, so many parts of the Mass, of the liturgical seasons, it's all based around this principle of do not forget everything that God has done for you. Because when you forget, that is when tragic mistakes can come in. I suppose even if we look at human life and we think of the horror of abortion, isn't some of it that we human beings forget the fact that every single one of us at one point was a one-day-old embryo, was a six-month-old child in the womb? If we forget these things, then unspeakable horrors are in fact possible to commit. 
And similarly in the spiritual life, whenever we forget and lose sight of the works of God in our own life and the gift of salvation that we've won in Jesus Christ or has been won for us in Jesus Christ, it is precisely at that point that we become complacent, that we begin to complain, that we begin to grumble, and inevitably that we begin to substitute something else in for the place of God. And this is precisely, too, what Jesus says in today's Gospel. The people, he says, are keen to try to win over and receive the praise of other human beings. But Jesus says his only motivation is to do the works of his Father and to please his Heavenly Father. For us, then, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we, too, are reminded in this Lenten season to think and to call to mind all of the great works of God over the course of salvation history, uh, to call to mind the works of God in our own in our very own life and to remember that our motivation and intention should always be to please our Heavenly Father alone irrespective of what other human beings may think of our actions and so my brothers and sisters as we go forward in this sacred liturgy let us ask God for the grace that we would always remember the mighty works of God in salvation history that we would remember his mighty works in our own life and that we would truly strive to please our Heavenly Father with our every thought, word, and deed. Amen. We should pour forth prayers at all times, dear brothers and sisters. But above all, in these days of Lent, we ought to watch more intently with Christ and direct our petitions more fervently to God. For the whole Christian people that in this sacred time they may be more abundantly nourished by every word that comes from the mouth of God, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the whole world that in lasting tranquility and peace our days may truly become the acceptable time of grace and salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For sinners and the neglectful, that in this time of reconciliation they may return to Christ, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For ourselves, for all those joining us online and through radio, that God may at last stir up in our hearts aversion for our sins, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Grant, we pray, O Lord, that your people may turn to you with all their heart, so that whatever they dare to ask in fitting prayer, they may receive by your mercy through Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, who throughout these forty days for us did fast and pray, teach us with thee to mourn our sins, and close by thee to stay. As thou with Satan didst contend, and didst the victory win, O give us strength in you to fight, in thee to conquer sin. As thou didst hunger, bear, and thirst, so teach us, gracious Lord, to die to self and chiefly live 
by thy most holy word. And through these days of penitence, and through thy passion tide, yea, evermore in life and death, Jesus with us abide. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands, praise and glory of his name, for our good and good of all his holy church. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that what we offer in sacrifice may cleanse us in our frailty from every evil, and always grant us your protection through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit, lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation. Always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and eternal God, for you have given your children a sacred time for the renewing and purifying of their hearts, that freed from disordered affections, they may so deal with the things of this passing world as to hold rather to the things that eternally endure. And so with all the angels and saints, we praise you, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni sunt celi et terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini. Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, 
When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope, and Michael our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them to the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life, and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours, forever and ever. Amen. Preceptis salutaribus moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, Adveniat reinum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicud in celo et in terra. Pane nostrum quotidianum, da nobis odie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicud et nos dimitimus, Debitoribus nostris, et ne nos enducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always and with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On you stay, qui tolis peccata mudi, miserere nobis. On you stay, qui tolis peccata mudi, miserere nobis. On you stay, 
Quitolis peccat amundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. O Lord, I am not worthy that Thou shouldst come to me, but speak the word of comfort, my spirit healed shall be, and humbly I'll receive Thee the bridegroom of my soul. No more by sin to grieve thee, or fly thy sweet control. Eternal Holy Spirit, unworthy though I be, prepare me to receive him and trust the word to me increase my faith dear jesus in thy real presence here and make me feel most deeply that thou to me art near Let us pray. May this sacrament we have received purify us, we pray, O Lord, and grant your servants freedom from all blame, that those bound by a guilty conscience may glory in the fullness of heavenly remedy through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Bow your heads and pray for God's blessing. O God, protector of all who hope in you, bless your people, keep them safe, defend them, Prepare them, that free from sin and safe from the enemy, they may persevere always in your love, through Christ our Lord. Amen. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Jesus, 
Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The Prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Is a 